0: Week number three, we're going to talk about this. The fear of where we stand with God. The fear of where we stand with God. Let's go to the Word. Let's go to the Word. But you're looking at the shepherds tonight. Looking at the shepherds. It says this, "...and there were shepherds living out in a field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone on around them. And they were terrified." But the angel of the Lord said to them, come on, let's read this together. Do not be afraid. The angel said, I bring you good news. This is where we get the word gospel. It's a good news. I bring you good news. And what is this good news going to do? It's going to cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. He is Messiah, the Lord. Heavenly Father, let every ear be open. Let every heart be open. Let every mind be open to receive what you would want to say to us tonight. God, as we look at the gospel story, the simplicity of the gospel message, may it sink deep into our hearts tonight. And may may we leave with a gratefulness and a thankfulness for who you are, for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on in, everybody Said, amen. Amen. Hey, I said I'm going to preach 15 minutes tonight. How many of you believe I can do it? I mean, that really hurts, number one. But okay, all right. How many of you will give me 15 minutes? Who will give me 15? That's 15, 30, 45, 60. All right, be done in 60. I'm kidding. I got a short message tonight. Uh, it's only a four-pager, all right? It's only a four-pager, and so, so we're, we're good, we're good. Anybody ever struggled with the fear of hell? Anybody? Anybody ever struggled with the fear of eternity before? I think, you know, growing up as a kid, um, I, was, I was honestly, I was terrified of eternity. You know, you, you grow up and you go to church and, you know, you hear pastors preach something like, um, the Lord is going to come back uh, like a thief in the night. How many of you heard that as, as a kid? So, man, I went to bed at night, and I was terrified. I was like, Jesus is coming back tonight. And to make matters worse, as a kid, I would watch shows like Unsolved Mysteries and that kind of stuff, you know? So, like, I was also scared that aliens were going to come get me in the middle. I mean, I was just... You know, going to sleep at night was was rough for me uh, as a kid. Y'all pray for me. Um, But I was always always scared. I'm like, the Lord is going to come back like a thief in the night. And what's going to happen to me? You know, the books like Left Behind and all of that were were popular, you know, where um, in the books, you know, people are getting like raptured out and, you know, you just leave your their their clothes and, you know, like you wake up in the morning and nobody's home and, you know, you go check like your mom and dad's bed to be sure that, you know, clothes aren't left in the bed. You're like, Lord, you're coming back like a thief. Is it just me? I mean, OK, I mean, if it's just me, it's just me. But uh, I, don't, I don't think it was I don't think it was just me. And maybe the fear came from maybe the fear came from. this this little childhood prayer that maybe you've prayed with your own kids, okay? And what I want you to do, I'm going to pray this prayer, okay? And and about halfway through the prayer, it takes a turn, okay? So at the point that we kind of take this creepy turn, you just raise your hand, okay? Just maybe this is, maybe this is, How many of you said this prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord, my soul to keep. But if I die (laughs) before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night, honey. (laughs) Shut the light off. I mean, come on. Like, why wouldn't that? I mean, what kind of prayer is that, that we're praying with our, we're like, we're, we're just teaching them to be scared. Like, honey, it's okay if you die before you wake. We pray the Lord your soul to take. Like, they're five. They've got their whole life ahead of them, you know? I mean, anyway, I don't know. So maybe this is where that fear comes from. But tonight, what I want to talk about is the fear of where we stand with God. So let's go back to the story. The shepherds, are out tending their flock, They're they're in a field, and an angel of the Lord appears to them. And, I mean, honestly, if you were anywhere out, especially in a field in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden angels appeared, you'd probably be freaked out too. And, and so the, the shepherds, they're scared, they're startled, and the angels tell them, hey, don't be afraid, I'm bringing you good news. Now, here's the thing, in, in Bible days, Because we didn't have Instagram, because we didn't have Twitter, because, you know, we didn't have uh, even mail, uh, this was the birth announcement. What they would do is they would hire a herald, and the herald would go from home to home, from town to town, and they would deliver the news. They would deliver the news, a baby boy has been born, and they would go from town to town, place to place, the homes that they hired them to go to, and they would deliver this message, well, who was going to do that for baby Jesus? I mean, you got to think about it. Mary and Joseph were a little bit still processing this whole thing that just happened to them. People still don't fully believe this story that they're telling them. There's still this kind of probably shame that other people are associating with this pregnancy. So they go, you know what, we're not going to hire the herald. But God says, don't worry about it. I'm going to send a herald on your behalf. I'm going to send an angel because no son of mine that is coming to earth is going to have less than anyone else. And so God sends an archangel to declare the word of the Lord that my son has been born in a city and how will you know him? And I'm going to get into this next week and talk about some of the importance of where he was born, where he was placed, why he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Because all of these things have major importance in the story. But but this week he appears to them and says, behold, a baby has been born. And he is the Messiah, the king of the Jews. So he tells them, but I think somewhere deep inside, the shepherds probably even struggled with, why are these angels appearing to us? Why are these angels showing up? Why didn't they go to the king? Why didn't these angels show up to the priest? Why didn't these angels show up to the religious leaders of the day? Because this is what I want you to understand is that there was this distance that shepherds felt from God. Shepherds felt distant from God for three reasons. Let me list them for you. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one is that shepherds felt unworthy. Being a shepherd was a dirty job. It was not a job that was held in high regard. It was a task that honestly no one wanted to do. Think back to the story of David. It was the youngest son And it was kind of talked about in the story, almost as though it was a disrespected position that they took David, the youngest son, that his dad didn't even consider David. When Samuel came to anoint a king, he didn't even consider David. Why? Because he had put his youngest, the least important son out watching the sheep. But he was the one to be anointed king. And so there was this stigma and mindset around shepherds that they felt unworthy. It was typically uneducated people that lived as nomads, wandering from place to place, leading sheep from pasture to pasture, and no one ever really interacting with shepherds because they felt unworthy. Number two, they felt inadequate because of their grueling schedules, they, they never took a Sabbath. They never stopped. It was always go. They were always on the clock. They were always on the job. So think about this. One of their laws is to stop. Stop your work. Cease your work and honor the Sabbath. They would never honor the Sabbath. They lived among the sheep and All that comes with living among the sheep. They didn't smell great. And because they lived among the sheep, they were considered to be ceremonially and ritually unclean. And so they felt inadequate. Others looked down on them as inadequate. Others looked down upon them as though they didn't measure up. And then third is this. They they felt unloved. Because they were unclean, all of society... Would avoid them. Because if I simply brushed up against someone who was unclean in Jewish days in the Old Testament, if I brushed up against somebody that was unclean, guess what? I became unclean. And I would have to go outside the city. I'd have to wash before I could come home to my family when the sun set to be considered clean again. So what would people do? They would just avoid them altogether. So shepherds ended up feeling unloved. They were rejected and looked down upon. It was typically a a job for, even in that day, slaves, those who would be in debt and needed to work off a debt. Many would never marry because fathers wouldn't want to marry their daughters to a shepherd. They were known as thieves. Listen to this. They were not even allowed to testify in legal cases because nobody trusted their word. They were seen as liars and thieves. And so they felt unworthy, they felt inadequate, and they felt unloved. Maybe tonight you identify in one of these categories. Maybe tonight you feel unworthy, maybe tonight you feel inadequate. Maybe tonight you feel unloved. And so in your heart, it has created this fear where you stand with God. Because I feel unworthy, because I feel like I don't measure up, because I feel like there's these rules, these laws, this whatever, this narrative that you've created in your mind that you say, I'm not worthy, therefore I cannot measure up. And because in your mind you've created this narrative because maybe uh, the way a, a pastor preached that a relationship with God is based all on works and that if you don't earn your salvation, then there, you're not gonna be worthy. Maybe you feel inadequate because you go, there's this standard that I just can't live up to and, and the gospel that has been twisted and contorted and, and you go, so I don't feel... In, Or I feel inadequate. Or maybe you just feel unloved. Maybe you just know the real you. And when you look in the mirror, you go, there's no way that God could ever love me. Because maybe you look in the mirror and you don't love you. Maybe you look in the mirror and you go, I I know my innermost thoughts. I know my struggles. I know my weaknesses. And I can't look in the mirror and, and love me. I can't look in the mirror and love who I am. So maybe you're in a place to where you go, you know, yeah, I, I identify with, with what they were going through. And so it, maybe it causes this fear of where you stand with God. You know, as a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 20 years, and I would watch this play out every week. And uh, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's kind of not. Um, but you would always have um, like four kids, five kids every week that you knew were going to get saved. It just, every week, I was like, Billy's going to get saved. There's no doubt. I was like, and Billy's going to raise his hand. And now there he is. Billy just got saved again. This is the 52nd time this year that Billy got saved. But what it was, it really was, it was a fear of where they stood with God. And because we don't have this understanding of the gospel and what the gospel actually is, we have this fear of where we stand with God. But it's because this gospel and this book has been twisted and turned and made to be works. Can I tell you, we don't have salvation by works. We have salvation by grace and by grace alone. And when we understand that, when we understand, I I can't earn it there's nothing that i can do it's by god's good grace that i am saved our whole mindset will be changed and we will learn that i no longer have to have a fear of where i stand with god because used to every night when i would go to bed i told you i had that fear i promise you i used to live like i used to live like the devil i used to be a kid that wasn't good i knew the things i was doing I knew that what I was doing, because I was in sin, I knew that it would take me to hell. I knew that. So every night before, this is no lie, I grew up in church, so I heard the sinner's prayer all the time. So every night before I went to bed, I promise you, every night without fail, I would say the sinner's prayer, knowing I would wake up the next morning and do the exact same things that I did yesterday. That's not repenting. I was going, God, I need to get out of hell free card. God, I just need to be in right standing with you tonight because the preacher said that you're going to come back like a thief in the night. By the way, if he comes back like a thief in the night here, that means he's coming back like a thief in the daytime on the other side of the world. Now that's, I'm not going to get there. Anyway, that's a whole (laughs) science. That's exactly what it is. And so I had this fear. So every night I would pray this prayer. Guys, that wasn't true. Repentance. Repentance is saying, God, I am sorry for what I've done. So I'm going to change my mind about my actions, about my thoughts, about my life. That way I can pursue a genuine relationship with you. Had Jesus come back that night, I probably would have been left in the bed. Why? Because I wasn't having a heart change. This is not religion. This is not things you do and prayers that you say. This is about being in a relationship with the Savior that came to the earth, wrapped himself in flesh, put himself in a manger, grew up to be a man, and died on a cross for your sin and my sin. But he didn't stay in the grave. He got out of the grave that I might have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, this is the gospel. And because of the gospel, I don't have to be afraid of where I stand with God. I don't know how I'm doing on my 15 minutes, but just hang with me, all right? So the fear of death is the number one fear because people don't have a good understanding of God's grace. I want you to put this scripture. We're going to look at this. And band, you can come back because I'm about to wrap. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 through 22. For no one can ever be made right with God, what? By doing what the law commands. So you can take all of the laws in the Old Testament. You've got that dividing point right here in the middle. And there's law back here, right? Moses got the Ten Commandments on, the, on Mount Sinai. He got a whole bunch of other laws that as you go through and you read them, there's 600 and the 613 laws. There's 613. How many of you think you could uphold all 613 laws? No. I mean, and listen, some, some laws are like you can't wear fabric that's woven with more than one fabric. So like, I don't know. If you have a 50-50 t-shirt blend on tonight, you're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff like that, that when you go back and you read all of the laws, you go, there's no way I could observe that. There's no way. So what you've got to understand, it goes on to say that the law simply shows us what? How sinful we are. Why? Because there's 613 laws that we just look at and we just go, I can't, I can't hold that standard. So when we look at it and we go, it's impossible for me to hold that standard. What we realize is, God, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so we're not going to achieve righteousness by obeying, obeying, obeying. Now we should obey. The Bible says that if we love God, we should obey. I'm not saying not to obey. I'm not saying get saved and it's time to turn up. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that it is grace through faith. What happens after that is a byproduct of the grace that you have received. What happens then is because God has saved you as you go, change starts happening. What? I don't, I don't want to be the way that I used to be. I don't want to live the way that I used to live. I don't want to talk the way that I used to. I don't want to go to the places that I used to go to. The club just isn't as fun as the club used to be. All the, like, whatever it is, it's just. It doesn't hit me the same way. Let's go to verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. But watch this, verse 22. We are made right with God by what? Placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. doesn't matter if you're a shepherd that feels inadequate, unloved, unworthy. Because who did God announce it to first? The inadequate, the unworthy, the unloved. He showed up and said, hey, you guys need to know that my son is here. You guys need to know that the Messiah is here. You all need to understand that the promised one that you've heard about for years and years is here, and he's in a stable. And next week, I'm excited to talk about the importance of everything, the city, where he was placed, what he was like, all of it. It holds importance. Hold on, hold on. Look, he's trying to, he's trying to rush me. I know I said 15 minutes, all right? Y'all stand on your feet. I'm kidding, David. We love David. David. Three things, you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law, you can't. How do you earn God's acceptance? I confess and I believe. When you confess and you believe, the Bible says you will be saved. Number two, purpose of the law is to show us how sinful we are. When we look to the law, we go, there's no way I could ever live up to that. God, I need your grace. God, I need your mercy. Number three is this. Righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Romans says it this way. 5, eight. but God showed his great love for us. While that I was a sinner, he died for me. When I was at my lowest, he died for me. When I was repeating the same sin over and over and over again, knowing I was not going to change, but was trying to use his name and just trying to use grace just to save me from an eternity separated from him, he goes, Craig, I love you in this moment and I died for you in this moment. I know you have no plans of changing in this moment, but I'm going to get a hold of you eventually. And I don't know where you're at in this place. Maybe you've been saved for years. Maybe you've been going to church for years. Maybe you've been trying to earn God's grace through works. Maybe a grace, being a Christian was all twisted and convoluted for you through somebody's words a long time ago, or you just misunderstood it. What I would say to you today is this. It's simple. God's, God's grace is a free gift. You don't work for it, you don't earn it, you confess, you believe, you receive, and you're set free.